This is the Retro Wet Shaving Podcast with your host, Dave Danu. Hello, I'm Dave Danu, aka the Spectrum Shaver, and welcome to the Retro Wet Shaving Podcast. My sorts of friends and fellow enthusiasts about their wet shaving experiences. After a three-month break, it's good to be back talking about traditional wet shaving with another wonderful guest. A huge thanks to Angele Pinto, aka Baba Tadisanal, for joining episode 12, gave an excellent insight into his wet shaving channel. I absolutely loved his passion and story, and a huge congrats to Angele, who's now has now over 1,000 YouTube subscribers. Welcome to episode 13, and boy, what a guest do I have for you. This gentleman is a man of many talents, a business owner, a marketer, a restorer, and a YouTuber. Ladies and gentlemen, Razor Emporium and Rack Supply Company, Head Hon Show, and of course, the other half of I'd rather be shaving, Matt Pasarsic. <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite the introduction. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. How are things in Arizona? You know, if you've ever been to Arizona or if you even have a uh, kind of a mental image, the, the storybook idea of Arizona. People think of tumbleweeds and cactus and uh, heat and the desert, and that is all true. But when it starts turning uh, from summer to fall, uh, we become one of the most beautiful areas of the entire country. Right now, the outside temperature is probably 80 or 85 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's, it's, it's balmy, it's sunny, a little bit of clouds. And at night, it'll get down to maybe 65, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. And it's the, the most beautiful place to spend your, your fall and your winter here in Phoenix, Arizona. So th- things are going very well. Uh, my favorite time of year when it starts to change uh, and get cooler. And it's also my favorite time of year because we're coming up to the American holiday of Thanksgiving. And that's always a traditional time for a family and for food and for, for gathering together and, and uh, being thankful for all we have. And, uh, you know, this year has been, uh, tr- you know, well, I shouldn't just say this year, this year and last year have been trying for a lot of people and a lot of different industries and supply chains and, and uh, global uh, shipping and, and whatnot. But uh, I'm very grateful to be uh, part of this wet shaving community and this emerging wet shaving hobby. And I'm also very grateful to be on the podcast today. It's, a, it's an absolute honor. And um, yeah, I've, um, I've never been to the States, but um, Arizona definitely is a fascinating place to visit. <laughs> um, in a nutshell, who is Matt Pasasik? Um How did you get into traditional wet shaving and what made you decide to fix and make razors for a living? <laughs> well, Matt Pisarsik, uh is a man <laughs> like any other man. I put my shoes on the same way as anyone else. My pants on the same way as anybody else every day. Um, you know, I, I have a, a degree from a university in business marketing, and I started working right out of college at a hospital in the area of marketing. And I, I started having to wear a, a shirt and tie every day. And I started getting a lot of, you know, razor rash on my neck and uh, started looking for kind of a better way to shave. And I read an article about the benefits of uh, the double edge razor 
And rather than go out and, you know, get onto a website and spend 50 or $60 on an experiment, I decided to instead go out to an antique store and um, pick up a, you know, an old Gillette razor and try to use that to shave with. And um, it kind of started me down the journey that leads us to where we are today. Um, I definitely got a better shave. I, I fell in love with the double-edged uh, uh, method of shaving, but I also kind of fell in love with the history and the pedigree of Gillette. And I uh, wanted to research, you know, the different razor models and the different years of production and wanted to clean them up and, you know, collect them and sell some. And um, I kind of saw this, this, this is 2005. This is you know, 15, 16 years ago. I saw that no one else was really doing restoration. And I started to kind of dabble in cleaning things up, polishing and replating. And um, before you know it, I got kind of a business around me. Uh, I was still working at the hospital, but I was starting to do this online business. I developed and built my own website. I coded it myself from scratch and built this Razor Emporium site where I could sell vintage razors and could uh, offer services. And then people started asking me, oh, can you carry this line of soap? Can you carry this aftershave? And so I started picking up more and more products. And uh, here we are today. I'm sitting in a building. It's a 7,500 square foot warehouse. Um, that It's home to our operations. We do all of our shipping out of here. Uh, we do all of our restoration here. We do a lot of the, the recs uh, finishing and assembly work out of here. And um, it's been quite the journey. I am I am just beginning. And uh, that's kind of a little nutshell of, of, of Matt Pisarsic and Razor Emporium. Yeah, I, I do love your story. And um, especially though, sort of like mid, late 2000s, um, this hobby was in a different, definitely in a different place back then. And just wow, fair play for coding uh, your own website. I can literally basic read a little bit of HTML and CSS. So um, doing that by yourself, like that's, that's, that, that is impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, can you talk about those early days? I mean, what, what like, I mean, I've only been in this scene for like over a year. I mean, when you were like coding the site and, uh, and that sort of stuff, where, where was the wet shaving scene like back then? Well, in, in 2005, uh, there was no Amazon.com. I know it's going to shock everybody. <laughs> you, you may need to just turn back the mental clock and remember that, that buying things online was in its infancy. E-commerce was in its infancy. The internet was still very much a place where you'd watch videos of cats, you know, or, you know playing and, and being silly. Um, the only place in the United States to buy razors online was a website called classicshaving.com. There was really nothing else. There was, I mean, I mean, when I say nothing else, there was maybe a, a couple of other obscure websites, uh, but there was no centralized website. There was only chat rooms. You know, there was no Facebook as well. In 2005, there was no Facebook. So if you wanted to go talk about wet shaving, you went to a, a traditional chat room like Badger and Blade or shave my face or the shave den or whatever. And you'd go and have to make an account and a profile and, and sit there and type 
and talk about it with, with other enthusiasts. If you wanted to buy products, the amount of selection was, I mean, uh, a fraction of what there is today. It really was just the the traditional lines, you know, like Taylor of Old Bond Street, Parasso, you know, Mercur, Edwin Jagger. Um, there, you know, there wasn't this, this whole artisan shave soap. There was a couple people making shave soap. Like I, I the, the one I really remember was uh, an artist named Mama Bear that uh, was really popular here in the United States and really popular on, uh, on Badger and Blade. Um, it was a much smaller market, um, but, you know, like anything, it has to grow and evolve, and it's done that in spades. Uh, today, the barrier to entry to somebody who wants to be an artisan uh, soap maker or even artisan razor maker um, is quite low. There's a ton of people making things out there, making custom shaving brushes and you know, straps and, and soaps and splashes and razors and whatever else. Um, it's much more diversified. And uh, I think we're honestly in the golden era right now. I, I hope it just keeps on growing. Um, for us, for our business, I've seen nothing but growth every single year. Uh, I've never had a down year. Every year we grow, every year we do more, every year we bring on new products, new services, you know. Um, so I'm here to stay. There's nothing that's going to stop us. I hope the same is true for other artisans because, uh, you know, I've never, I've never taken the position that other people are competition. Um, I, I think of other, other razor makers or other soap makers or, or whatever else as people who are growing the community that are growing the fan base, the enthusiasts, the hobbyists, whatever. Um, the market just gets bigger as more people enter it. I don't look at it. You know, I'm not threatened by anybody else out there as taking my business away. I'm happy to see them grow. I'm happy to see them offer new things. And yeah, you do offer like a, a really unique and awesome service. Um, and I think that's why I, I've got you here today. Um, I, and I've got to, I just love the, the skill and the passion that, that, that's involved in restoring these, like just these beautiful vintage razors. Um, I've got one thing I have to ask you is I recently watched um, by your company's YouTube channel. Um, there's a video titled called The Impossible Revamp, um, shocking <laughs> before and after a vintage Gillette fat boy. I mean, this thing was completely eroded. Um, I mean, you even put in the video description, it was just in, it was destined for the trash can. Um, Again, for those who might not be familiar with your work on that particular project, um, could you explain the process involved with, with such huge projects like the one in that video? Um, also, like the like the the bespoke tools you guys use as well. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier in the introduction about kind of my my uh, my own discovery of wet shaving of buying vintage razors at a thrift store, antique store. Um, I think the, the thing that struck me immediately with old razors was not only the quality of how well they're made, uh, they're made out of stamped sheet metal, you know, sheet metal brass. That's just unheard of today. There's not another, not another razor maker uh, making anything like Gillette did still to this day. We have beautiful injection molding like Rockwell. We have 
have uh, milling like Blackland and, and Rex, even we do mill stainless steel. We have uh, cast zinc razors like Edwin Jagger and Mercur, but no one is, is stamping them out of brass like Gillette still to this day. So I was caught by the quality, but then I was also caught by how easily it was to really work on these. I mean, because they're stamped sheet metal, they can be bent, they can be sanded, they can be polished. And if you have the right kind of equipment, you can restore them. And I, I immediately, as someone who was collecting them, I was seeing that there was a, a massive difference in value of one that was in, in bad shape versus good shape. And so, uh, as I learned in business class, it's always good to have a, a service where you add value. So I thought, okay, well, let's, let's take these old razors and let's refinish them, you know, just like an old piece of furniture, you can sand it and put a new stain to, to refinish an old chair, an old, you know, uh, dresser or whatever, uh, wardrobe, as I think you would call it. But, yep. um, I thought, okay, so let's, let's, let's refinish these old razors. So, what started as just a garage full of equipment, you know, uh, polisher equipment and grinding and sanding turned into my, my, my workshop now, just for the, for the resurfacing is about a 2,500 square foot workshop. The refinishing is also gonna end up being about 2,500 square foot just for the plating and all the equipment uh, surrounded by how much plating we do here. Um, it's almost 5,000 square feet total um it's it's grown exponentially but we also get tons of work you know we get 30 40 50 razors a week coming in for service to us from all around the world um and so it, it's 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 really satisfying for me uh to see these these items come in and sometimes they're a cherished family heirloom sometimes they're just something people you know they got at a thrift store or at a flea market or whatever and they just want to, or eBay, and they just want to see it cleaned up and, and restored to its original condition. And the beautiful thing is, again, because of the quality of these items, when you refinish them, they end up being just as good, if not better, than anything on the market today. Like, there's still not a razor on the market today that can touch a Gillette Bat Boy or Gillette Slim in terms of its quality and construction. How some people may say, okay, this one shaves better. That's completely subjective, but an objective, uh, you know, statement is, is the build quality. These razors will last for decades. They already proved themselves to last for decades and they can last for decades more after they get refinished. That's a real unique thing we offer here uh, at Razor Emporium is our, is our, is our services. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I've got to go back to that video again. I mean, um, the, the, the skill and everything involved with that. I mean, like I said, this thing had been in the, um, the ocean and like, <laughs> that I, was that was my that was my you know summation, summation. it was it had to be at the bottom of the ocean or something <laughs> but um i mean the way you guys put that together and um i know you're honest in the video at the end like i say look there's still bits when you look at this razor it's not perfect but to even to get it to that condition uh, um like i say anyone that hasn't seen that video um yeah go and watch it <laughs> Well, that was part of the part of the deal. I saw it on Facebook and I said, look, we'll, we'll offer a free service, but uh, I get to promote this and I get to use this as kind of a, a soapbox because, you know, most of the of what we get in every day, it's not that bad. Honestly, most of it just needs, you know, we strip the nickel finish off or gold finish off and we'll polish the pieces and replate them and I'll move on. Um, 
this one was kind of particularly bad, but yeah, <laughs> it was fun to video. I, my, my hands are the ones on the, about the first half of the video, I'm doing all the work you see. And the, the funny thing is, I'll, I'll tell here on your podcast, is that I don't normally do this kind of work anymore. I mean, I'm not trying to brag or be above it. I just, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm doing other things for the company. I have, I have a team of three full-time people doing nothing but razor restoration. Um, just for safety, we have another two people that do straight razor work. But uh, I'm normally not touching the razors anymore. But for that video, that was, that was my hands. And I actually felt quite out of, out of practice. It had been probably at least a year since I'd even done a, a work like that. But I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. I'll get back into it. <laughs> I mean, um, the, the guys that you, you employ at your company, um, they have like a, are they, are they wet shavers like yourself? Um, what kind of backgrounds do they have? Uh, funny enough, only one person here uh, started out shaving, and that's my, my razor meister, my home meister, as I call him, Eric. Uh, he does our straight razor sharpening, and even that's starting, starting to get transitioned to somebody else, but... He came in as a wet shaver and said, "Hey, I can sharpen straight razors. I like to work for you. I just am new to the I'm new to the city. I just moved here from out of state, and uh, we gave him a job because we're like, okay, yeah, you, you don't have any background uh, with 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 us, but man, you have this amazing talent. Okay, you can sharpen. We have we always have work for someone who can sharpen, but no, none of the other people really had a background in wet shaving." specifically um the the technician side they just uh i one of them came from uh working in leather and textiles uh sewing machine kind of work um one of them used to work in a restaurant uh one of them this is actually her first job i mean she's young she i think she's 17 years old but we've trained her and she does a lot of our polishing and she puts everything together for uh, plating. In fact, you see her hands when she's wiring all the pieces onto the rack for electroplating. Uh, that's, that's, that's our youngest employee. Uh, my customer service person, uh, DJ, uh, is her name, Dondra, uh, Dondra Joan. She did uh, have another uh, stint at another uh, wet shaving company making soap. And she's come to our uh, facility and we've you know, made our own formula and she does soap for us. Um, also customer service and uh, order fulfillment. But um, no, it's not a requirement that you wet shave uh, to, to get a job here. But I will tell you that pretty much everyone who, who ends up working here ends up wet shaving, uh, whether through osmosis of just being around it or from a gift. I usually love to gift people the gift of shaping, as I call it. And so pretty much everyone here has, has received uh, a razor or a brush or a soap or, or whatever at some point in, in time. And I like to get everyone here uh, on board with it and, and to believe in it, to be part of it. Gosh, I love that. And, um, well, 17. I mean, the, I mean, the amount of um, <laughs> attention to detail you have to have dealing with those um, vintage razors. And um, yeah, that, that's... that's uh, that's impressive. <laughs> but um, moving on to uh, the other company, um, uh, Rex. Um, for me, you're always famous for like the ambassador and envoy. I, I just want to, if anyone that's listened to this and is not familiar with those two razors, if you could just um, do like an overview about them and were you inspired 
uh, were there any particular designs that inspired you that went that went into like the ambassador and envoy? Sure. So um, you know, after a few years in the in the retail and the service business with Razor Emporium, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that uh, it'd be best for me to to develop a brand that we could manufacture our own designs under. I didn't want to stick with the Razor Emporium name just because that's so synonymous with retail and service and videos and education. You know, I really wanted to have um, another brand that, that, could, that could stand on its own two feet and, and really kind of represent, um, as, as the motto goes, revisit excellence is what REC stands for. And, you know, even the branding, the marketing was really mid-century and really kind of a throwback to the, the good old days of, of, of traditional masculinity and traditional shaving. Um, and we even personified it with a little kind of emblem of a man with a, with a, uh, a hat on to kind of be the Rex uh, uh, man himself personified. And... Uh, the original dream was just to produce a razor and maybe a line of shaving products. Uh, we started out with one of the most classic razor designs ever, which was um, a French razor from the 1930s called a Gibbs number 15 uh, adjustable razor. And we took that and we kind of made our own mark with it. We first off made it in stainless steel instead of it's a combination of plastic and, uh, and brass with the original design. Um, we changed the, the handle knurling to be more grippy. Uh, we changed the, the shaving dynamics to be the more, uh, to today's wet shaving community that wants the more aggressive razor. Uh, we, made, we made the first adjustable stainless steel razor in the market. Um, there's now been other people who have done adjustable razors, uh, Rocknell and, and Turkey, but, but for the United States, we're still, I think, the only American adjustable razor out there. You know, there's other people like Rockwell uh, out of Canada that, that have um, the multi-plates to do, to do adjusting, or they have their Model T that is a combination of stainless and zinc and, and brass but for a pure stainless steel razor, the ambassador stands alone uh, for American made. There's now been somebody who's copied it and made it out of brass in India and sells it for a cheaper price. And that's fine. I'm, I really could care less if somebody wants to have a cheaper version of my product. Um, we can't sell enough of the ambassadors. We're constantly uh, selling them every single day. More and more go out. Uh, we're waiting for another thousand to come in from our, our manufacturing facility here in town. Uh, we make them all the time and sell them all the time. Um, we wanted to have a second tier razor that, that could kind of take the, the most popular setting of the adjustable, uh, which is right in the middle, number three, uh, and put it into a three-piece design. And so we called that the Envoy. Um, to kind of be a, it's, it's half the price. Instead of $250 US, it's $125 US for the Envoy three-piece razor. And we actually have a third razor coming out uh, this month. Uh, on Black Friday, we will announce a brand new razor. Uh, 
uh, when I say brand new, I should actually qualify that. It's a modification of the ambassador. It has a different guard. It's gonna have a different handle. It'll have a different name and it will shave differently as well. Some people who have had the ambassador have said that it's, it's too aggressive or has too much of a, a blade positive feel. Um, and so we're addressing that with this, with this new offering. I will, I will give you a, a, a sneak peek that it's called, the, the name of the razor is called the console. Um, so I'll say that all the details will be released in about two weeks on, on Black Friday, which is the day after Thanksgiving here in the US. Uh, they call it Black Friday because it's the first day that the retailers are in the black for the year instead of in the red. Um, it's always a day of, of big discounts and, and big uh, sales and, and, and a lot of activity in the retail sector. So we call it Black Friday. Um, it's always a day I like to announce something big. I like to, uh, you know, I have a background in retail sales. And I like to have some showmanship. And to me, Black Friday is the biggest day of the retail industry. And so might as well announce something big on that day. Um, we also have plans for another razor, uh, maybe next year, uh, an aluminum razor. I'd like to be in that market. It'd be even cheaper than the Envoy, like maybe 75 or $85 US for a, a three-piece aluminum razor. But that's kind of the nutshell of Rex. Uh, it's, it's, it's my other business. It's its, its own business on paper. Uh, it's separate from Razor Emporium and it's growing. Uh, I hope to have more things in the future. We're working on a soap. It's going to be a Rex-based uh, soap. Uh, Rex is is carried in over 50 stores around the world. Uh, other stores carry our product. That was another reason for the name. I didn't I didn't want Razor Emporium to be seen as a competition to these other retail stores. So by calling it Rex, we were able to uh, have its own identity and other stores who would look at me normally as a competitor. Now I'm a supplier to them. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, to answer your question, Rex, in a nutshell. That's interesting. You said about, um, yeah, you're a supplier. I think, um, I think here in the UK, I could be wrong, but I think that we have a company here called Slick Boys, and I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Slick Boys carries it, executive shave, uh, cognat shaving, gentleman's groom room. Those are all the first ones that come to my mind in the UK that carry the, uh, the Rex line. That's interesting. Um, so moving on from like um, Resin Prime and um, Rex Supply, um, I don't know how many people listen to this will be familiar with this, but I've, 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 I just feel this is rude if I don't mention this, but I've got to mention um, I'd rather be shaving um, with a certain uh, Mr. Douglas Smythe. <laughs> <laughs> Which I believe, I think when Douglas come on here, he described it as, um, I might have got this wrong because I don't think we, I think this is a pretty American thing. I think it was a hybrid of car, is it car radio or something? Some show, and Wayne's World. Obviously not Wayne's World is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just want to know, for, for those who are fans, would there ever be a comeback? Um, would you guys do things differently? Um, as a fan of the show, um, I'd love to see you and Doug antiquing again, um, discovering some absolute gems. I remember one episode you got like a it was like a World War One razor. Yeah, um, uh, I'd rather be shaving. Is I'll try to keep just a few minutes to talk, but it's it's a big conversation. <laughs> um, the show the show kind of had an impetus when I did a grand opening at my last building 
you know, when I, I was still renting in another building, I invited Douglas to come out as a, as a participant, as a vendor. We had like 30 or 40 people come out for the day for the grand opening of this other location. And Douglas and I were sitting there kind of just spitballing and he saw my, my personal Gillette Razor collection and he said, and I'll give him credit, it was his idea. He said, we should do a video series where you and I look at a Razor model and we just kind of talk about it. We just kind of, uh, you know, rap about it and uh, videotape it. And I said, hey, it's a great idea. Immediately I got involved, my current video producer, uh, Marissa Neal, who does all my videos you've seen ever. Every video you've ever seen is Marissa for the most part. There's a little caveat to that, but a couple of videos were done by somebody else. But I got Marissa involved and she has a background in film. She has a degree in film. And she said, okay, this is a fantastic idea, but we need to make it more than just talking about a razor. We need to make it a show. We need to have a story. We need to have a beginning, the middle and end. We need to have some excitement in there with like a challenge or an activity uh, that's related to the, the topic for the day. We need to have costumes. We need to have props. And very quickly, this, this show emerged, this idea. And Douglas wanted to originally call it something so silly, so stupid. It was like <laughs> Shave Time Shave Time 2000. I'm not even joking. I think that was the name he wanted to have. Shave Time 2000. Uh, or shaving, shaving talk 2000, something so bizarre. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. No one's going to click onto that. And then, and then he did come up with the pun. He said, well, let's call it, I'd rather be shaving. I said, that's a great idea. Let's do that one. Um, we filmed it at my old location. Uh, we still have access to that location. It's, it's a big rental that's downtown. It's in the middle of downtown Phoenix, Arizona. And old warehouse. Uh, from, I mean, literally almost a hundred year old warehouse building. And um, we shot the first two seasons with Marissa and every single episode had a beginning, the middle end. They had props. We usually would shoot three, four, or even five episodes in a single sitting. It'd be in an all day event. We'd come in on a Saturday. We'd start off at eight or nine o'clock in the morning and, we go until four or five o'clock in the afternoon and um, they get edited together. And then we would always, we'd see kind of a, a, a premiere of it, a first glance. We'd always have little comments and feedback and I'll put this little joke in here, put a little video reference of this, this thing. And it turned into a really cool uh, offering. Season three, we had a different production crew just because Marissa uh, took a, a hiatus and she went on a long six month hike through like literally hike like the back roads of the country what's called the appalachian trail she hiked by herself for six months and so we literally found somebody else to put together season three but it lost a little bit of magic in the translation you know it was hard to explain the first two seasons and all the little jokes you wanted and marissa was really a driving force behind the scenes and she kind of helped keep the structure together and so I kind of, I lost a little bit of interest towards the end of season three because Douglas kind of wanted us to get on set and kind of improv everything. And I like more the structure and more of the story and more of the topic. And so it kind of, it kind of feathered out. And ironically, this whole COVID uh, pandemic stuff started happening right at the same time. 
and our, our production crew said, hey, we're not really going to come out there right now. And Douglas said, yeah, I don't really want to meet up in person with anybody. I'm worried about getting sick. And I said, okay, well, then I guess we're done. Uh, and it kind of had an unsanctimonious ending. Um, I've talked to Douglas. I've actually never seen him since. I've never seen him in person since. I've talked to him many times on Facebook Messenger. We're actually going to a local shave meetup in California uh, next weekend together. And we've actually talked about having a, a kind of impromptu, I'd rather be shaving uh, skit or, or sketch or, or, or talk or something at this shaving meetup. Uh, this kind of a local regional thing in California, but I definitely want to film again. Um, Douglas even said he'd be amenable to sitting down with the original crew again, Marissa. She's, she's more available now. And uh, we would entertain another season. You know, the only other drawback that, that was there, you mentioned uh, antiquing and going out. When we did those episodes where we had to go out, the production cost was so much higher. Um, you know, the, the, the crew, they, they charge certain amounts of money for their day. And if we get three episodes shot, five episodes shot, or one episode shot, it's the same daily rate for their time. Uh, the, the, those, the, the antiquing episodes, I mean, they cost us hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars each to shoot. Whereas the normal episode, I think it was something like two or three or four hundred dollars, you know, divided by two people to you know, Douglas and I would split the cost. A little more manageable, but the the, the 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 ones to go out in the field were so much more expensive. And um, you know, marketing's fantastic. Hey, I have a degree in marketing. I love marketing, but it's sometimes you have to just weigh out what you're spending your money on and what the return is. The other frustrating thing for me was that my razor and pouring videos easily easily get 30, 40, 50,000 views on a video. Uh, uh, and the Atlanta be shaving kind of seemed to be never, never near a, a, the, the popularity. We'd get four or five, six thousand views on our on a video. That, that's fantastic, but um, it, 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 I don't know if it had as much of a translation to a, a larger group. I, I kind of think it was a as a show for the, the the nerds and the enthusiasts by the nerds and the enthusiasts. <laughs> but it, I don't know if it had as much of a reach as my some of my other videos. So. Uh, I'd be very amenable to the normal format. You know, we get three or four or five shots in a day and we'd stick on topic and we'd have a, a real discernible message. Um, the antiquing is certainly fun. And in fact, I, I told Marissa that we should do a video where I go out and I show everyone some of my tips and tricks of how to, how to antique and how to, how to find stuff and how to talk to the, the vendors and the, and the, and the dealers. Uh, um, when you're out antiquing because it is a, a, a good topic and it's a lot of fun. So that's, I'd rather be shaving in a five-minute nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Um, and I'll tell you, great. It's probably is more aimed at the, the enthusiasts and that's, well, myself, I just uh, love it. And yeah. I, I love like, the, the humour as, uh, as well. But um, yeah, like I say, going back to the antiquing, that, um, that one where I thought you got an absolute bargain Um I can't remember where in Arizona it was, but I remember yeah, you 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 managed to get like a, I think like a bundle of like the World War One um, gear, um, 
Yeah. Oh, that, that I'll tell you stop. what, that, that lady, that was all real. That episode when we went and we were literally digging through someone's like uh, trailer and we found a box full of razors where there was a Gillette toggle in it. That was a hundred percent real. That was not scripted. Um, I ended up buying all, you know, like I think over 75 razors that day from this lady and I paid very little. I mean, she gave me a, a fantastic deal. Um, that was a lot of fun. And hey, I have nothing but fond memories of the show and of, of filming it. And uh, a lot of the humor, you know, Douglas and I kind of have a, a, a love to hate, hate to love relationship. I respect him so much. I think he is uh, one of the most brilliant marketers and businessmen I've ever met. But I also love to get under his skin and I love to poke fun at him and he loves to poke fun at me. And it's all in good humor. It's all in respect for each other. And and uh, uh, a lot of the humor was very real. A lot of it was unscripted. You know, a lot of the show was ad lib, um, and that was fun. That's always fun to shoot. I guess an episode where you were actually drinking as well, um, which made it even more interesting. <laughs> yeah, the Germany episode. We shot the Germany episode, all about slant razors and tabak and a bunch of other German, you know, stuff. And yeah, we had to, of course, and that that was Marissa. Marissa always said we have to have you know, kind of a broader appeal. Let's, let's bring in something here, an element. And of course, let's, let's do the DOS boot and finish off the episode with drinking a boot of beer. Um, that was Marissa. You know, if, if it was Douglas's way, we would just talk about the razors and uh, just close out the episode. But Marissa always wanted to have some kind of fun, some kind of humor, some kind of competition at the end of the episodes. Uh, to kind of bring it back home and kind of make it more relatable and, and make it more entertaining. I mean, yeah. that, that was the thing. The first two seasons for me were so entertaining. The third season lost a lot of that. We didn't have some of that element. And now you know why the, it was a different production crew and Douglas actually really led, led it. Uh, the, the crew kind of just showed up and pointed the camera and said, let's go. Whereas before Marissa would really spearhead the episode and kind of be like a director on the set. Um, so that's a that's a great insight and for those who are like myself who are huge fans um yeah thank, thanks for that that's, um really insightful um so the last part of this episode matt um i was asking about um desert island shaves and now you're you love your um north american vintage ranges so i'm really intrigued what yours would be so if if, if you were in um your shaving den what hardware and software would you pick up would you go on a spending spree or would you go uh, would you reach down into the bargain bin? People, people always think that because I own, uh, I guess, two different razor companies, uh, that I that my bathroom must just be lined with with golden hardware and, and soaps from God and you know badger brushes that were hand hand wrapped and tied and just every amenity. <laughs> <laughs> That's just that couldn't be further from the from reality. I will tell you with 100% honesty what is in my shaved end right now. And it's, and I did not come into the wet shaving world because uh, of abundance or uh, of, a, of a love of variety. I actually came into it for purely utilitarian reasons of wanting to have a, a consistently good shave with little irritation and little ingrown hairs. And so when I find products that work, I usually stick with them. And the, the current incarnation of my shave den 
and I, I, this is not a lie, this is the truth, as a Rex ambassador and a British Gillette red tip. I love the red tips. I love the British version of it, of course. Um, I, I do have an Edwin Jagger DE89 that rarely gets used, but occasionally gets used. Um, but that's really it, those two razors. Uh, I think there's another Gillette in there, but it doesn't really get used hardly ever. I usually go back, back and forth with the red tip and the and the ambassador. I mean, I made the ambassador, so I loved it, and that's what I have at home. And the red tip is a classic, of course. Uh, for shave soap, I always have the trusty Parasso pre-shave. You know, I love that. I think my current shave soap is a, a Trumper sandalwood. Um, and for aftershave, I've been really enjoying the Floyd traditional Floyd aftershave and I mix it with a little bit of uh, balm, like a, 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 a Parasso balm. Uh, I mix them together. Uh, alcohol, Floyd, and the, and the, and the balm of Parasso to kind of get the best of both worlds, moisturizing and the astringent, disinfectant qualities of the Floyd and, and the scent, of course. Floyd's fantastic. Um, and for blades, I have been a huge fan of the Paul Silver and the Permashaw I've also really recently come to like the Bolzano blades, and I also have some uh, some Persona 74s or kind of a obscure vintage blade of yesteryear that was made with tungsten steel that are kind of legendary. I, I like the like those a lot, but that'd be my desert island shave. I would take what I have now. I would take the ambassador. I take a nice sandalwood soap from England. I take a Parasso balm, and uh, that'd be my desert island. I mean, it's not rocket science. Uh, I, I love that. I, I mean, I love the classics. Um, you mentioned the red tip, which, oh my God, I would I would love to own one of those. I've got some like cheapy knockoff one in my bathroom. It's not the same, but um, yeah, that, that is a beautiful razor. And you mentioned the uh, giraffe trumpers and Parasso, obviously. Oh. Uh, sorry, which Parasso, which, which color would you go for, Parasso? I, I like the white the best just because it's good for my skin, but the blue is a, is a, is a runner up. I love the smell of the green. The traditional green has just a phenomenal smell, but for my skin, I can maybe use it once a week. If I use it every day, uh, the menthol and the eucalyptus just don't do good with my skin. I end up getting razor rash if I use it consistently, but the, the white or the blue, are fantastic. I've never really gotten to the red. I probably should take a tub of red home. I've used it, I think, once or twice. I don't think that the, the Parasso Sandalwood uh, fragrance is anything to really write home about. I think uh, I'll give it to the English uh, uh, for Sandalwood. Uh, Taylor and the Trumper, uh, they really know how to do Sandalwood well. Yeah, that's something um, from over here I'm actually yeah proud of, um, especially those those two companies. They're um, yeah they're just they're just classics. But yeah, um, yeah no that, that that's awesome. I love that. Um, the the last from last thing I ask you um, is there anything else you'd like to plug? No, so how can people find you online? <laughs> Open up a tab, go to Google.com and search Razor Emporium, and you will not be disappointed. Um, Again, not to brag, but I, we have been around for 15, 16 years. You know, the business formally incorporated about 10 years ago, but I was a hobbyist before then. There's so much 
that we've, we've put out there. We have tons of products. We offer lots of services. We are the largest restoration center in the world for vintage razors. I always tell people that. People say, what do you do for a living? And I say, I run the largest world, the world's largest vintage razor service business. And, and yes, I'm a, a gigantic fish in an extremely small pond, but I will take that. Um, go on YouTube. We have over close to 8 million views on our YouTube channel. Uh, over 30,000 subscribers, huge YouTube presence, about 168 videos, I think. Um, I really enjoy the video education model. Uh, as a marketer, again, I always thought it was so short-sighted to pay Facebook for an advertisement for a day or a week. I'd rather pay Marissa to produce a video that'll be on YouTube forever. Uh, it's called evergreen marketing. So I like things that stick around for a long time. Um, of course, recsupplyco.com is our website for our manufacturing brand. Um, but you know, again, I, I, I'm not the promoter that Douglas is Douglas, man, that guy gets onto Facebook and he puts out his ads every single day and he's always hyping up his new thing and he's always promoting. And I don't, I'm not. I'm not critiquing that. I'm not uh, giving him any flack for that. That's just not my style. Uh, I'm someone who kind of likes to do the Theodore Roosevelt, uh, walk quietly and carry a big stick. <laughs> so I, to me, I'd rather grow uh, what we have to offer, grow our product selection. Uh, you know, we have a brand new website. We just launched it about three months ago, four months ago. Um, it's, it's gorgeous. If you haven't done so, go look at razoremporium.com. Uh, we're always offering new things. I, I just picked up Blackland razors. Now Razor Emporium is, is stocking Blackland razors. Um, we always are offering something new. We're always doing something different. We put a monthly newsletter out. If you're not on our newsletter list, go to our website, sign up for our newsletter. This month, we'll have a 25% off coupon code on Black Friday. That'll be huge. Come by from us on Black Friday. Support your local shave business. Jeff Bezos at Amazon does not eat any more money. Do not buy your shaving products on Amazon. Buy it from the vendor. Buy it from the artisan directly. Um, so grow the shaving movement. I'm, I'm more concerned about people growing this and sharing the videos with their friends. Give this Christmas season, give the gift of shaving. Give somebody out there a, a traditional double-edged razor and a badger brush. Um, grow the hobby. If you, if you love this hobby, grow it. Don't let it die. Don't let us be some obscure market. Let's keep on growing. Let's take over the whole shaving world. That's my mentality. Hundred percent. And um, yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on the the evergreen content strategy. Um, yeah, that yeah. that just hundred percent works. And um, yeah, um, yeah, support you guys. Don't don't go to that um certain uh, website. <laughs> That's what it's all about. S supporting the uh, small guy, as you say. But That's um, right. no, That's right. okay. 100%. <laughs> but um, that's it from Matt and I. Um, I just want to say um, a huge thanks for, 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 for coming on. Um, and yeah, definitely um, stay in touch if you ever want to come on, give us more updates on Razor Emporium and um, Rex as well. That would that, be awesome. Uh, we, I'd love to. I appreciate the opportunity. I, I consider it an honor to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for reaching out. And yeah, love to do it maybe sometime next year and give you an update of what's new. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. <laughs> Brilliant.
that's it from Matt and I. Thanks for listening, and hopefully episode 13 is just around... Uh, sorry, episode 14 is just around the corner. If you'd like to come on the podcast, please let me know. You can contact me via Twitter and Instagram at DisplaySuitFavor. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to show your appreciation, uh, make a small donation and buy me a coffee. I do love um, an Americano, by the way. Please visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash dispatch shaver. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week. And most importantly, stay safe. <laughs>